let's uh, let's go to Exodus 16. We'll begin back over here as we continue with this series on the covenant of healing. And uh, <clears throat> of course, we want to welcome everyone watching online, everyone that's here. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you've not been with us uh, over these weeks, to go back and, and uh, go to the YouTube channel, Roku channel, uh, podcast, however you can do it, and uh, get a hold of the uh, the former parts of the series, not for any other reason than just there's so much there. And uh, we're going to continue to minister on this. And uh, so Exodus uh, 16, but we want to begin with this that we've looked at uh, and talked about is there's things that you must always believe about what God said. And the first one is always believe what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? Uh, it's, uh, I, I continue to make this statement because it's so important uh, where our lives as Christians are just in general and then where healing is with a lot of the religious ideas that are in the world and even in the church. Never let the world tell you about God. The world doesn't know God. They have no concept of God. That's why when a worldly person says, why would God allow this? You can't explain things like that to them because they're not godly. They, they, they don't know God. And, uh, but right on the other hand, uh, I can't allow religion to form my idea of who God is. Because a, a, a very typical religious mindset is that God can do anything. And then they'll say, now, if he will or not, it's another different story. Now, wait a minute. But if God can, then what there has to be is there has to be some, uh, I don't want to use the, I, I want to use the right word. There has to be a way that I get what God can do into my life. Because God doesn't change what he was, he eternally is. Right? God, God is not, you can't relegate God to the past. Well, God was this. No, what he was, he is, and he'll ever be. See, this, this is important. Because you'll hear ministers preach and, and they will say, well, you know, uh, they'll preach like God has changed. Well, God used to be this way in the Old Testament, and he's this way today. That's a lie. That's an absolute all-out lie. Well, God did change. No, he didn't. The dispensation changed. The covenant changed. The time changed. God didn't change. Everything that God did all throughout the Old Testament was to work to get the covenant to everybody in the earth. And, so, and, and the vehicle for that was Jesus Christ. So never allow, because how you think determines what you expect. If people are taught, well, you know, come up here, we're going to pray for you, and let's see if God will heal you. Well, I suggest you just stay in your seat. Because, because if, if, if they're guessing, if they're hoping, well, let's see what he'll do, right? 
That's like saying, I need to make a decision today. Let me just throw all my schedule up against the wall and see what sticks. And whatever sticks, I'll just, I'll do that. Well, it's a horrible way to make a decision. If healing is a settled fact, and according to Scripture it is, if it's a settled fact, Jesus didn't say, go lay hands on the sick and see if they recover. He said, go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All right? Now, again, understand this. You can have hands laid on you, and maybe you didn't receive immediately, or you didn't receive that time. There's an opportunity then for me to say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to speed this up? I did what the Word said, and if I did what the Word said, then I am entitled to the results of what the Word said. And so never say, hands were laid on me, and it didn't work. Or hands were laid on me, and I didn't get anything. Did you do what the Bible said? Then you got something. You got something. I was talking to a young man just the other night, and I made a statement. Uh, just in passing, in a message uh, about some of these things. And I, and I made the statement, I believe it was by the Holy Spirit. I just said, uh, you know, do you believe the word or not? Did God say it or not? And he didn't even need healing. He was, he was there in the five days of, of healing meeting that we had with Prophet Ford. He didn't even need healing, but he said, that hit me. And every time I read something in the word and my mind tries to go, that's not for you. I hear your voice say, do you believe God or not? Do you believe the word or not? See, this is the thing. If I do what the word says, the acting on what the word said is my part. The doing of what the word said is God's part. Now, see, when I act on the word, then I have an opportunity and a right to go to God and say, okay, I acted on the word, and this is what your word says. Amen. And if there's something that needs to be corrected, God will tell me. God will show it to me. If I'm missing it somewhere, God will show me because I go to him on the basis of his word. I think we spend too much time trying to explain to people maybe why they're not healed. You can try to explain to people why they're not healed till you're blue in the face, and you might say some good things, but you're going to miss something. The main reason that people are not healed is because when they take a step of faith, they have to stay settled on what they did. I did what you said. Amen. And I'm holding this word. I'm holding you to your word. Oh, hallelujah. Then you always believe what God said about his word. Well, he said his word would not return empty. He said his word would not return without accomplishing the thing that he sent it to do. He said, and it would prosper in that. So what that means is he said, I sent my word and healed them. He sends his word, you speak the word over your body. The word will not return to God without accomplishing that. Now, you got to believe that. That can't just be a quote. That can't just be a confession scripture. That's got to be something you believe. Wait a minute. I spoke the word over my body, and the word will not return to God void. 
you have never seen the rain come down when it's raining, bounce off the ground, and go back to heaven. You've never seen it. You've never seen the snow bounce off the ground and go back to heaven. That's what Isaiah 55 says. It says, just like the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return, they stay and accomplish their purpose. He said, that's how my word will be. It will not return to me void. It will not return to me vain or empty or useless. But it will accomplish the thing that I sent it to do. So see, the, the requirement there is, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. The word cannot return void. Why? Because God said it, and Titus 1-2 says God can't lie. Not won't, can't. God won't because he can't. See, this is the importance of a, cove of a covenant mindset. A covenant mindset's a requirement for strong faith. Wait a minute, this has to go. This can't stay because God can't lie. Has to go. Oh, hallelujah. And then thirdly, you believe what God said about what he will do. What he will do. What did God say he would do? That, that ties with the, 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 the very first thing that we went over and that we've been going over these weeks. What did God say about himself? Believe what God said about himself. Then believe what God said about what he would do. This, I'll use a very simple illustration, kind of humorous, but, uh, uh, and it has nothing to do with sickness, but it shows people's mindset. For, uh, uh, I've been a musician my whole life, and, and I played uh, drums with a Christian band. We traveled around, and, and uh, uh, we didn't have any money and didn't make any money, but we were having a good time and uh, uh, loving the Lord. But in any event, uh, we had an old bus. Every, every Christian singing group has an old bus, seems like. Old is the operative word, old bus. And uh, so is, is an old Greyhound bus that had been refurbished and, and had these big bays underneath it, big heavy steel doors, you know, heavy doors on the bottom. And so we were packing up one night after we'd been at a church, and, and uh, one of the uh, uh, drummer, the drummer had went out and uh, was getting something out of the bus, and boy, he, he was out there and stayed, didn't come back in. He was gone. We are wondering what in the world happened to him. It was snowing in Kentucky. It was snowing. And uh, we went out there, and, and there he lay by the bus, just over on his knees with his head in the snow, knocked out, just knocked out, cold, cold as a cucumber. Well, he was under that bus getting some stuff out, and that door that was notorious for being weak, uh, uh, the hinge slipped, and the door came down and knocked him in the back of the head, just laid him out. Just, I mean, and he was, he was just like this, hands behind him, just head in the snow, out. We got him to and got him in the church and set him on the altar. And, you know, everybody, uh, I wasn't too worried about him. I knew how hard-headed he was. But in any event, uh, uh, he came around. He was rubbing his head, and he said, whoo, oh, my goodness. He said, uh, boy, the Lord's trying to teach me something, isn't he? And I thought to myself, yeah, not to put your head up under that door. What could God possibly be trying to teach him by knocking him out? 
at the very least, you know, the Lord, if the Lord was trying to teach him something, he'd say, this is what I'm trying to teach you. And then explain it to him, then knock him out. Right? But see, what, what did he think about what God would do? If God wants to get your attention, he'll knock you in the head. Now see, that's a bad way of thinking because people will press the limits until the enemy knocks them in the head and then they'll give God the credit. And not only were they hurt, they didn't learn anything because that's not how God teaches. So, amen. Exodus 16 and verse 26. He said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases on you that I've brought or that I've allowed upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. And we talked about the causative and the permissive uh, in the, the last few weeks here. But notice this. He says, that have come upon the Egyptians. And then he says, for I am the Lord that heals you. In other words, I'm not their healer, but I'm your healer. Now see, this ties back into what did God say about himself? Because there are people that will, will lead you and infer. Now, when I say this, hear me because I'm going to explain it, that God is everyone's healer. God's everyone's healer who has a covenant with him. God is not the healer of the sinner because the sinner doesn't have a covenant with him. That's important. I've seen sinners healed, but I've seen sinners healed because they believed on God. They believed what God said. You understand what I mean by this? I'm not saying that God won't heal a sinner, but I'm saying he makes a distinction here and he says, the diseases that came on Egypt won't come on you because I'm your healer. You understand? Now, 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 now you got to keep that clear. You, you see? Because, because people will say, well, you know, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Potentially. There's the potential there for him to save everybody. Is everybody going to be saved? No. Why? Because he's not, they're not going to believe. So if Jesus was just the, 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 the carte blanche savior of the world, then everybody would be saved. He's the savior of the world potentially. He's the healer of every person potentially. But there's, some, there's something that, that they have to do. So Egypt, notice, is a type of the world. And these diseases won't come on the people of God because he's the God that heals us. Amen. And so God eternally sets himself in the place of healer for his people. I am, blank check, I am whatever you need me to be. I am the Lord Jehovah that heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord your healer. All right, so he says, I am, blank check, and then he fills it in, the Lord your healer. That's, that's so important. Amen. And then he says in Exodus 23, Exodus 23, 25, and you shall serve the Lord your God and he'll bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. 
and there will nothing cast their young or be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now, this is going to be important even as we move further on in this lesson. But some other translations, he says, I will take sickness from the midst of you. Other translation says, the Moffat translation says, I will free you from disease. I will free you from disease. Another translation says, I, the Lord, will take away any sickness you may have. I will take away any sickness you may have. The Knox translation says, and I will keep sickness far away from your company. So not only will God heal us if we're sick, he said he would keep sickness away from us. The only way Psalm 91 can be uh, workable, no evil will befall you, no plague will come near your dwelling, is that someone's keeping it away. I will keep sickness away from you. That's why he said, I'm the Lord, your healer. See, if God ever made one of his people sick, he's not their healer. Because you can't be both. You've got to be one or the other. And God cannot lie, and he cannot change. So he said in the very beginning of his covenant dealings with the people of Israel, I'm your healer. Matter of fact, the father of our faith and the mother of our faith, Abraham and Sarah, both of them were healed. The Bible doesn't tell us what God had to do other than he had to rejuvenate their bodies. Well, if God can take a, a man that cannot any longer father children and take a woman that's never been able to have children and give life to both of their bodies, he, he sets himself in a position of healer. It's important because that, that covenant mindset has to permeate your thinking. God is my healer. God has no purpose in sickness. God has no joy in sickness. God has no glory out of sickness. God's my healer. Oh, hallelujah. So sickness is taken away and then kept away. Amen. So if the Lord healed you, he'll keep you healed. If the Lord delivered you, he'll keep you delivered. That's why I talked to you about the, the, the challenge that I went through, uh, well, it's 11 or 12 years ago now. And after the Lord healed me, then he gave me the scripture in Nahum 1.9, this affliction will not arise again the second time. That's what put me in the covenant, one of the things that put me in the covenant mindset. If God took it, he can keep it away. Anything God can heal, he can keep healed. Amen. So our expectation must be that God will keep it away. All the diseases, well, I'll show you this in just a moment. He said all these diseases, notice. He said, these diseases, 
I'll take them away from the midst of you. And the number of your days I will fulfill. That's important. Hallelujah. Because, listen, there are certain diseases that if you're diagnosed with it, it comes with a life expectancy. Six months, a year, five years, whatever. The doctors will shake their head, and, and obviously we thank God for doctors, but the doctors shake their head or, or look very concerningly and caringly at the person and say, well, I've seen people live as long as a year or two years or three years. What, what, what does that mean? And, and usually somebody, somebody will shake their head and they, and they mean it well, but they'll go, oh my goodness, cut down in the prime of life. That's not God's will. It's not God's plan. And then uh, uh, and a, a, a uh, 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 non-informed minister will pat the hand of the family and say, we just don't understand why God needed them, but God needed them more than we did. No, 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 no. God needs you to live long and strong. God needs you to fulfill your days on the earth. This is where the work is. There's no work in heaven. This is where the work is. This is where your job is. This is where you bring glory to God on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. So he will take it and keep it away. See, here's one thing that you, that you need to, to be aware of. When you read the scriptures, and, and he's dealing with the people that he delivered out of Egypt. When you read the scriptures, they're, they're, he said, and we'll say this in just a moment, but he said in Psalm 105 that when he brought them out of Egypt, there was not one feeble person among them. But yet he said there are diseases of Egypt that you're well acquainted with. You've observed them. You know them. So that means there was a lot of disease and sickness going on in Egypt, but none of them came out sick. Now, if you can live in the same country, in the same close proximity to a group of people that's full of sickness and full of disease, and yet you don't have it, something kept you from it. Something kept it from you. Well, who kept it from them? The one that said, I'll keep it from you. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Do, do you understand that? Folks, that, that doesn't mean we don't, that we don't take protocol and we don't do the right thing and wash our hands and sanitize. You, you understand what I mean? I've, I've taught that this last two years. What, what you wear or don't wear or what you do or don't do, it, 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 it's not a consequence where your healing is concerned. But here's what I'm trying to explain to you, that whatever comes to the world, God can keep it from his people. Because we have a covenant of healing. Matter of fact, you can hurt your faith by saying ugly things about other people. Amen. Wherever you're at in faith, the Bible says for you to have it to yourself. It's what Paul said. He said, do you have faith? Have it to yourself. 
I've known people before that would look at somebody that was dealing with a sickness, and it may not even be anything major, a cold or a flu or something like that, and, and they would make statements like, well, I don't get the flu anymore. Well, God bless you. Good for you. Keep it to yourself. You ought to bear the burden of your brother. Maybe they're not where you're at. It's important. Because they're, they're, you come to, you come to the, the services that you come to and you find out that God's your healer, everybody doesn't know that. Everybody's not aware. You, does that make sense? But God's going to keep you. Now you know God will keep you. Now you know God will keep it from you. Glory to God. Let's look at Deuteronomy 7. I go back and re-say some of those things because... We have to make sure that, that people understand. God will meet you where you're at. And heal you where you're at. Glory to God. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 8. Because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath or the covenant that he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage and bondmen. From the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God. That keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So God is the faithful God. That keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. To a thousand generations. A generation, uh, the minimum is 40 years. So that's 40,000 years per person that has a covenant with God. And uh, so what he's saying is the, the covenant is eternal. And notice, to them that love him and keep his commandments. But it says something here about God. He is the faithful God. God is faithful. That word faithful, it carries the idea of a dedicated father taking care of his children. That's the idea that you get from that. All right? It's the, the idea of a, of a nurse totally dedicated to the well-being of a child. That, that God is faithful. See, for God to be one who cannot lie, faithfulness has to make up his personality. Because if you cannot lie, you're, you will be by default faithful. If you're faithful, by default you don't lie. So God's promise, notice, is to be faithful to us. But then he said his promise also was to be merciful. Healing is mercy. We've seen that all through the scriptures. We've seen that throughout the four gospels. Jesus, have mercy on us. And he healed them. Jesus, have mercy. And he opened their eyes. Jesus, have mercy. And he saved them. Healing is mercy. Healing is proof of God's faithfulness to his people and to his word. When people see you healed and well... They know God's faithful to his word. When people see your life changing, they know God is faithful to his word. 
Now, verse 17 of this same chapter, notice it says, And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know upon you, but will lay them upon them that hate you. Again, other translation says, Jehovah will keep every disease away from you. Another says, you'll be healthy because the Lord will protect you from those dreadful diseases. The NIRV says, the Lord will keep you from getting sick. The Lord will keep you from getting sick. Now, covenant mindset says God will keep me from getting sick. That, that's a covenant mindset. He said, I will take all sickness from you. I will keep you from getting sick. Now, see, that becomes something that I, that I walk in. Now, how does that become something I walk in? How does that become a weapon? Because if sickness attacks my body... I go with the word and I said, no, 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 wait a minute. Lord, you promised that you would keep me from getting sick. So I'm standing on the word that says you'll keep me from getting sick. That's a covenant mindset. You take God back to his word. Because what does the word say? I've heard people say, well, you know, this is my confession. Yeah, but what's the word say? See, what, see, here's the key to this. What does the word say? He said, I'll keep you from getting sick. So I've got I've to alter my thinking in a lot of these areas that I'm not just relying on God to heal me after I get sick. I'm relying on God to keep me from being sick. What's better, to get healed when you're sick or not to get sick? Well, not to get sick. But it sure feels good to feel good. Amen. So even if you're dealing with something, he'll heal you today. And then he'll keep you healed. Glory to God. Notice he calls these diseases the diseases of Egypt. Notice. He says all of the evil diseases of Egypt. Now, throughout the word, throughout the Old Testament, Throughout the word of God, Egypt is a symbol, a shadow, a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type and a shadow of the devil, all right? The God of this world. And notice he says they are the evil, and isn't that interesting? If disease was ever used by God, why would he call it evil? He said it's evil, the evil diseases of Egypt. Hallelujah. The world that we live in is under the curse. You are not under the curse because you're in the kingdom. You have a covenant with God. The Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of it. You're not out of it. You're not part of it. You're not connected to it. All right? Why? Because that line was severed when Jesus died on the cross. My connection to Adam was forever broken. And my connection to Jesus was forever put in place. And when I was connected to Jesus, I was connected to the line of Abraham that God made a covenant promise to. 
And he made the covenant promise to Abraham's descendants right here. And he said, I'll keep you from getting sick. Amen. Hallelujah. I talked to a believer one time. And they were talking about a certain sickness. And they said, well, I finally caught up to it. And I thought, why were you chasing it? Right? As believers. See, in our circles, we've been taught not to talk that way because it's doubt. You don't talk that way because you have a covenant that that kind of talk is contrary to. It's contrary to that. Amen. This is so important. You have to put as much stock in the word as you do a return receipt. When you're checking out at the store, especially if you're buying an electronic, very often they'll say, uh, would you like a return receipt? Well, that return receipt says, if you bring it back within a certain period of time, we'll take it back and give you your money back or something of equal value. Right? And you'll give that gift to somebody and the receipt. If you don't like it or wrong color, Take this back to the store, and they'll give you one that you do like. How do you know? How do you know they'll do that? Well, I got the receipt. How do I know God will keep the sickness from me? I got the receipt. This is the receipt of what Jesus paid for. When Jesus paid for your healing, you got the receipt. It's proof. It's right here. It, I have a covenant. Sometimes people will talk like they wish that they could uh, have been there when the covenant was made and it would make it so much more real. No, it doesn't. Th this is evidence that you have a covenant with God. This is the receipt that Jesus paid for your healing. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So they were not the diseases of his people. They were not the diseases of his people. The Lord helped me see this a long time ago. When certain things come up, and, and it's, it's, I, I've said this for years. My wife and I, we don't watch a lot of TV, but we, you know, and, and what we do watch, there's not a lot of commercials, but uh, we, we might see something and it'll be talking about cancer. Immediately out of my mouth comes these words, I am a cancer-free zone. Oh, yeah, that's a good confession. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That is me saying what I am based on my covenant. I'm a cancer-free zone. He will keep that sickness away from me. Does that make sense? That, that is a disease of the world, not a disease of the kingdom. There is no disease in the kingdom. Amen. Well, what if it attacks you? He said he would take it. See, there's no question. You, you don't waffle on that. If you get attacked with a sickness, you don't start saying, why did this happen? Why did this happen? How come? He said he'd take it. He said he would take it. Don't, don't get wrapped up in that. Have you Listen, if you've ever raised a teenager, I don't know if it, how many in here has ever raised a teenager. Anybody, okay, I got, I got some witnesses in. When you start dealing with a teenager about something, they have this innate ability to start turning that thing 
and bringing it around to something that you weren't even talking about. And, and you're like, wait a minute. How do we, we're not talking, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. Right? Sickness will attack a believer and here will come the enemy with all his questions and all his thoughts. And before you know it, they're asking all these questions that have nothing to do with, here's the bottom line. It's not supposed to be in my body. And if it's there, he said he would take it. Settles the issue. Closes the book. That's it. That's what he said. He can't lie. And he can't change. Lord, if, if I opened the door, forgive me. I didn't mean to. If I did something I shouldn't have done, show me. I won't do it anymore. But here's the bottom line. You're merciful and you're faithful and you promised that you would take sickness away from me. Oh, that's good news. Because I watch people labor. I, I dealt with a man one time that was dealing with a, a, well, it wasn't a respiratory disease. It was Lou Gehrig's disease is what it was. And, and he knew the word. He, he had been in the word of faith since the 1960s. And he knew the word. And one day I came to him. He, this, was, this was years ago when, when, when we were uh, 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 in another location. And, and he was really struggling. Some people were working with him, struggling to breathe. You know how that disease does. And I went out and I was talking to him. And he said, I keep asking the Lord. Where did I open the door and let the devil get in? Where did I open the door and let the devil get in? And I, and I just patted him on the arm. I said, brother, dear brother, listen to me. The devil doesn't need an open door to try to attack you. That's what he does. You are laboring under a sense of shame, and you don't know it. You're blaming yourself for the attack of the devil. There are people sitting in here today under the sound of my voice watching me online. You have not done anything wrong, but you keep asking, what have I done wrong? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? That's the devil. That's the devil. The devil's trying to convince you that you're sick because of something you did. And if you keep listening to him, he'll convince you that you ought to be sick because of what you did. You got to answer that right away. You got to answer that right away. No, sir. In the name of Jesus. He said he would take sickness. Lord, if I've done something, I repent. If I need to know it, show it to me. And I repent of it. And that settles the issue. That closes the book. Settles it. Listen, he cannot hold you accountable for something he forgot. I should say that again. He can't hold you accountable for something you forgot. If you did miss it and you repented, he said, I forgot it. Does God lie? Can God lie? Can he change? Then the moment you repented, God forgot it. And not only did he forget it like, oh, I forgot my car keys. He forgot it like it never occurred. It never happened. So how can you be sick for something that never happened? And that promise to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and to put it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you again, that's in the Old Testament. So God was that way then. 
and he's still that way. Yeah, but you just don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. What's the Bible say? I believe what the Bible says. I've laid hands on people that, that just felt like, you know, there was no way that God could heal them. You know, I've, I've done so much, and I've messed so many things up. Yeah, join the crowd. But what did God say? He said, I'll take it. Oh, hallelujah. I believe I'm helping you. When God's people came out, came out of Egypt, there was not one feeble one among them. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them out also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. And then verse 42 says, it was because he remembered his covenant. So what do you do? You go to God with the covenant. This, 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 this is what the covenant says. And, and, and if this is what the covenant says, then this is what I can depend on. Amen. Now, the diseases of this world are not to be the diseases of the redeemed. So just because the world has it doesn't mean I have to have it. Because we talked about Egypt represents the world and the bondage that we've been delivered out of. We know, we know the diseases. We know of the diseases. We're familiar with them, but we don't have to have them. Amen. See, with the curse came sickness and disease. And what allowed the curse into the earth was the disobedience of Adam. Hallelujah. That's what over and over again, that's why over and over again, we see our part of the covenant is faith and obedience. Adam's disobedience opened the door to the curse. As I walk in faith and remain obedient, what happens? God takes sickness away. And keep sickness away. And so we can see from these verses that because God's the taker of sickness and the preventer of sickness, he's not the one who makes sick. Can't be. And religion will say, well, maybe he didn't make you sick, but he allowed it. What's the difference? There's no difference. See, you've got to either believe he has nothing to do with it or he has everything to do with it. There's no gray areas. If God doesn't make sick, but he will allow sickness, then by allowing it, he caused it. Right? You know, in the news not too long ago, there was a rash of things that parents were getting in trouble because they were having parties for their kids and letting the kids drink. And then their kids' friends were getting in the car and driving drunk and hurting themselves and hurting people. And so states started adopting legislation that said what? That said if you furnish the alcohol and then you let the child drive, you're responsible for the damage they cause. Now people, uh, somebody that, that's, that's, that's uh, 
wants to argue that can say, well, you know, they weren't driving the car. They just allowed the kid to get in the car. They, they can't be held responsible. They weren't driving the car. Well, that's, that's, that's an argument that can hold no water. If you know someone cannot function properly and you let them get behind the, car, the, the wheel of a car and drive and they hurt someone and you knew they couldn't drive, it's your fault. For someone to say God allowed this person to be sick and they died is saying God did it. Because if you allow it, you did it. No, he said, I'll take it and I'll keep it from you. I won't allow it. See, religion has to come up for reasons why God doesn't do what he said he would do. And the Bible's very plain why God doesn't do what he said he would do in the word, if you want to use that terminology, is because my part is faith and obedience. I have to believe and I have to obey. Well, what if I'm weak in faith? Then do what the father of the epileptic son said. Father, Lord, Jesus, help my unbelief. But I believe. Amen. Say out loud, I believe. Now let's look at John 11. Because this, this shows us some things about this covenant. Oh, hallelujah. I've had people ask me, what, what, what do you do if you lay hands on people and they don't get healed? Honestly, I don't think that way. Now, people say, well, you can't believe that every person you lay hands on is going to get healed. I can believe whatever I want. Amen? But that person right there that will say that, that tells you what they think. That I might get hands laid on me and I might not get healed. Because after all, you can't expect everybody to be healed. I can expect whatever I want. And, and the fact that somebody didn't doesn't harm my expectations. Amen. Listen, there are people in here today, I'll use a natural example, that are long-suffering Razorback fans. Is that right? Long-suffering. And every year, every year, every year, you expect the hogs to do a little bit better. And a lot of years, they do a little bit worse. Right? But every year, you put on your hat and whoop, pick suey. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Why? Because you're expecting something. I can expect whatever I want. When hands are laid on me, I can expect to be healed. When I lay hands on people, I expect them to be healed. This is so important. Oh, glory. John 11, verse 1. A certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Where, therefore, his, his sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he that you love is sick. When Jesus heard, he said, now notice, this sickness 
is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, of course, especially in our circles, we, you know, people uh, are quick to point some things out about this verse. But that's not my point. I want you to see something. He says, this sickness is not unto death. Well, now, spoiler alert, we know that later on in the chapter, he died. So if the sickness, if that's what Jesus meant, that Lazarus is not going to die, then he missed it. Would that be right? If he meant Lazarus is not going to die, but Lazarus died, did he miss it? Was he wrong? Yes, he was. Don't, don't be afraid to say that Jesus would have been wrong if that's what he meant. What he said was this. One translation says this. This sickness is not going to end in death. Didn't say he wasn't going to die. He said the death is not going to be the end. Now notice a couple things. Jesus did not desire, deny that Lazarus was sick. And he did not deny that he was going to die. He knew he was sick. All right? Now, this is important where this covenant is concerned. Now, this sickness could bring no glory to God. Because notice what the, the King James says. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of Man, the Son of God, might be glorified thereby. Now, people have taught over the years, yeah, see, uh, uh, this sickness was for God's glory. Couldn't be for God's glory because Lazarus died. It could bring no glory to God because Lazarus died of the sickness. Amen. Keep your thinking cap on because we have a covenant that said, I'll keep it from you. I'll remove it. He said that the end result would not be death. This would not end in death. The end result would be God would get the glory. Is that right? So being healed and staying healed are what brings glory to God. In uh, verse 20 of the same chapter, Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. But I know even now that whatever you ask of God, God will give it you. Notice, Jesus said to her, your brother will live again. Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. Now notice this. Jesus said unto her. Now he uses two words. I am. Exodus 15. I am. Blank check. Fill it in. The Lord that heals you. Right? 
I know my brother will live in the resurrection. Jesus says, wait a minute. I am the resurrection and the life. He fills in the blank. I am. The resurrection is here. Notice what he says. He says, your brother will rise again. Oh, yeah, Lord, I know that great getting up morning, he's going to get up. And Jesus says, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I am. I am. Blank check. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here. See, religion takes things in such a religious mindset. And they'll say things like, well, yeah, if I don't get healed here, I'll get healed in heaven. No, you won't because there's no healing in heaven. There's nobody sick in heaven. Healing is here. This is important. Because here's what Martha is thinking. Yep, Lord, I know. Oh, Lord, I know. I'm, I'm sure she meant well. Lord, I know. Yes, he'll live. He'll live in the resurrection. And Jesus said, wait a minute, you're missing it. You're missing it. The resurrection's here. The resurrection's here. Amen. So I am. What did they need him to be? The resurrection and the life. Now, another important thing to remember is who is he dealing with? Hebrews, Jewish people who had what? A covenant with God. That what? If sickness is there, I'll take it. What Lazarus die of? Some sickness. What did he say he would do? I'll take sickness from your midst. What's the Bible say that God does in Romans chapter 4? Quickens the dead. Gives life to the dead. That This, this is so important. Because here, here's the thing. Death is there. Death is there. Jesus never denied he was sick, and he never denied that he died. I've heard preachers try to work that around. Well, Jesus never said he died. Did so, he did so. He told his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And he was. He was graveyard dead. In the grave four days. Dead, 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 dead. Yeah, they said he stinks. And Jesus wasn't moved by that. Because he was more aware of what the covenant said and who was in him than the circumstances. You have to give more credit to what God said than you do to the sickness that may be trying to attack your body. Never, never believe in the devil's ability to steal, kill, and destroy more than you believe in the ability of God to give life. Because God quickens the dead. Oh, that's powerful to me. Listen, dead is as far as you can go. Dead is the end. And the Bible says God will quicken the dead. So that means if there's something in your body that needs to be quickened, well, you know, my, my heart's not working right. God will quicken it. My lungs aren't working right. God will quicken it. There's cancer in my body. God will kill it. God will take it away. God will keep it away from you. Amen. There'll, there'll be no return, no relapse. Glory to God. Amen. Well, it's in remission. No, it's gone. 
gone. Remission means it could come back. Remission means it could be readmitted. No, it's gone and it's not coming back in the name of Jesus. You're not, you're not, I don't grant you admission into my body. That's important. Amen. So he clearly states here, he's the life giver. I'm the resurrection and the life. And what God cannot lie and he cannot change. Verse 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Mm. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Now, think about this for a moment. <laughs> and again, a spoiler, a spoiler alert. We know from the end of this, these verses when Jesus prayed, he said, Father, I thank you that you've already heard me. He, what did he tell the disciples? Let, let's, let's, let's read this. I want you to see this. Is, it, is this okay? Verse 11. These things said he, and after that he said to them, to the disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him. So what was his purpose? What did Jesus call death? Sleep. What was his purpose of going there? To wake him up. Well, if, if, if death is sleep, he's going to raise him to life. Is that right? So, so did Jesus know what his desire was and what he was going to do when he got there? Then let's read these verses with that in mind. He saw the Jews, Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and then Jesus wept. Was he going to raise him from the dead? Then he couldn't have been weeping because he had died. Couldn't have been troubled because he had died. He said he groaned in the spirit. That word groan in the spirit... It means to snort with anger or to have indignation on. I, I, I saw that years ago. It's a it's a it's a it's a a groan of exasperation. It's not groaning like oh, it's groaning like oh sees the people weeping. And Mary and Martha that should have known what he's going to do. They're, they're weeping and talking about how there's nothing that can be done. And I'm here. Hallelujah. People will look at you and say there's nothing that can be done. If you have the word, something can be done. Fill your mouth with the word of God and go change it. That's, that's, that's got to be your mindset. This is not a book about someone. This is someone. This is the living word of God in my midst. To be in the presence of God's word is to be in the presence of God himself. 
If God said it, God will do it. And so the Word, the living Word, the one that brings life to the dead is there and everybody's weeping. Hallelujah. And so he's, he, there's this indignation. And that word troubled, it means to be agitated or stirred up. Now, Jesus wasn't so much mad at the people, frustrated at the people, as he was the atmosphere of unbelief. Think, think, think about this. Notice the Jews, what they said, verse 37. Some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? And Jesus, therefore, again, he heard him doing what? What did he do? Groaned in himself. Comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon him. Notice what they said. Notice what they said. Well, you know, couldn't he have? That's what people say. Well, you know, why didn't God heal them? Couldn't God have healed them? God healed them. Why didn't he heal them? If Jesus was there in that conversation, he would be exasperated. Because Jesus showed up. Something's about to change. Jesus wasn't there for a funeral. He was there for a raising party. Amen. I mean, think about it. Why did they send for Jesus in the first place? Lazarus was sick. What did they want Jesus to do? Right? They, they, it, says, it says that they sent for Jesus and said, the one that you love is sick. And Jesus made the statement, this will not, the end result of this will not be his death. It will not end in his death. It will end in the glory of God. Amen. Notice this. Oh, glory. So Jesus is agitated at their unbelief. Jehovah Rapha is in their midst. And all they can do is talk about how Lazarus died. Hallelujah. Now verse 45. Now, you know he raised him from the dead, right? Okay. Verse 45. Then many of the Jews that came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Now, here's a question. When did they believe on Jesus? After Lazarus was raised from the dead. Right? Oh, glory. After he was raised from the dead. That's when, that's when God got the glory. Not when he died. Now, John chapter 9. I'm going to show you this a few different ways. John chapter 9. Now, uh, verse 1, Jesus passed by, saw a man that was blind. Everybody say out loud, blind. Now, what does blind mean? What's that? Can't see. What, what does everything look like when you can't see? Dark, right? What, what is darkness? Absence of light. Is that right? If, if, if this room was dark, it would be because light is not in it. 
the moment you turn the light on, the darkness leaves. Is that right? So, so, so darkness is the absence of light. Darkness cannot overcome light. Jesus said that. Natural physics tell you darkness cannot overcome light. People will talk about the deep darkness of space. There's really no complete darkness in space because there's billions of galaxies. And all of them are filled with stars and moons and, right? What I'm trying to explain to you is there's no complete darkness because there's always light. And he said, notice, his disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents? He was born blind. Jesus said, neither is this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. Notice verse 5. As long as I am in the world, here it is, I am, blank check, the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, here's an easy question. What did this man need? Needed to see. Is that right? What happened when he encountered Jesus? He encountered the light of the world. And what happened? Light came. Because God transmits to you what he is. And he is our healer. He can only be our healer because he is healing. See, that's where people make a mistake. God is not a doctor in the sense that he can uh, put a patch on things. Doctors do not heal. They help, they diagnose, but they don't heal. Only God can heal. Does, does that make sense? And so when God heals someone, he transmitted into them what he is. He is healing. And any sickness is the encroachment of death. But God is life. And when he enters the situation, he brings life. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but now you have eternal life. Why? Because God came into you. God came into your life. When you have hands laid on you for sickness, not only, not only are you just doing what the Word said, when hands are laid on you by a man or a woman of God or by a believer, period, what happens is the life of God is transmitted through the touch into your body. And what was there bringing death has to go because life showed up. Life and death do not coexist in the same place. Amen. So light, notice, cannot bring darkness. Light removes darkness. Now why is that important? What did he say? I'll take sickness from your midst. So what does that mean? God cannot comfortably coexist with sickness. It's not his will. He, he wants people to believe him to heal them. Amen. Now, Mark 5. We're almost done. Mark chapter 5. I've went a little bit over time, but this is important that you get this. Are you getting it? Mark 5, 22. 
there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, and you remember this story, said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she'll live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him. Now, this is important because Matthew 9 says the girl had died. He came to Jesus and said, my daughter died. Luke 8 says she's dying presently. Now, the point is, Mark here says uh, she's at the point of death. Luke says she's dying. And Matthew says she's already died. So either, either way, it's, it's a serious situation. Amen. Verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, they came and said, Your daughter's dead. Why are you troubling the master? When Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. His part of the covenant was faith and obedience. Obey, don't be afraid. Faith, keep on believing. See, Jesus said, I'll come. Jesus wasn't going there to pat hands and lament. Now, now, this is important. How old was the little girl? Twelve. He wasn't going there to pat hands and lament the loss of their little daughter. He was going there for a reason. Right? Remember, he didn't go to Lazarus' tomb to make people feel better. He, he went there to cause a change. Oh, glory. Verse 39. And when he came in, he said to the people there, Why do you make this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. Well, what's the Bible say? It says, it says two things about God. It says in the book of Isaiah that he calls the end from the beginning. Romans 4 says he quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. We know the girl died because the Bible said she died. See, you don't have to make excuses for the Scripture. I've had people say, well, you know, no, there's no maybe here. She died. Right? The, 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 the Bible says she died. Verse 35, your daughter is dead. Is this absolute truth? It's absolute truth. So the girl died. And Jesus goes in and says, she's not dead, just asleep. Well, he wasn't denying anything. What does God do? Cause those things that be not as though they were. Amen. But notice this. Verse 41. Then he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kuma, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto you, arise. And straightway she arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with the great astonishment. Just like if sickness is there, when the healer shows up, it's got to go. If death is there, when life shows up, it's got to go. It's important. Now, now why? Why is this so important? How old was she? 
12 years old. The Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, that he would take sickness and disease from our midst and that there would not be any early death. Now, who'd God have a covenant with? At this time, four gospels. This was before grace. This was before the second covenant was enacted. Who did Jesus come to? The Bible says he, that he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to minister to Israel. Why did he come to minister to Israel? Because God had a covenant with Israel. What is the covenant promise that God made to Israel? That you will not have a shortened life. The number of your days I will fulfill. The covenant God that made that promise in Exodus 23 walked into that room and brought that little girl back to life because there was a covenant that Jairus had with God that you will not have a short life. The number of your days I will fulfill. Glory to God. So, see, I, I, can, I can lean on that. The doctor can look at you and say, well, you know, this is going to be the end. No, it's not the end. With long life, God will satisfy me. I will not have a shortened life. I will not have, say that out loud, I will not have a shortened life. Oh, glory. Now, you can look this up on your own. John chapter 1, verse 4. It says that in Jesus was the light. And it says the light was the life of men. So in Jesus was life. When life showed up, death had to leave. Because the covenant promised no shortness of life. The giver of life was in the room and death had to go. See, that's got to be your mindset. If sickness is there, it's got to go. It's got to go. Now, I've had people actually tell me, well, what if it doesn't? Well, you need to go take another dip. If sickness is there, it's got to go. Now, let me, let me finish with this. Now I'm going to pray. Now, when I say this, these are things that can sound so elementary. But there's things that sound elementary that I may not be putting faith in. I told you in the first part of this lesson today, he called them the diseases of Egypt. The diseases of the world. If they belong to the world, why should I claim them? They're not mine. Yeah, but I, you know, Pastor, I, I have a problem with my heart. You can have a problem with your heart, but don't call it your heart trouble. Don't call it your, and you fill in the blank. My sickness. If, some, if somebody walked out there in the parking lot and pointed at my car and said, whose car is this? I'd say, that's my car. But if they were pointing at, uh, 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 his car, right? I wouldn't say, yeah, that's my car. That's Andre's car, not my car. <laughs> no, I don't want it. <laughs> Amen. But, but you understand why I'm saying that? It's not my car, that's his car. Ever what it looks like, ever what it is, that's his car, not my car. He said that's the diseases of Egypt, not the diseases of the redeemed. 
So I don't claim it. And, and when I say I don't claim it, what I mean, I mean it from a covenant standpoint. It's not just an exercise of word of faith theology. I don't claim that because I've seen people that say, I don't claim that and got it and died. The point is not claiming it as in just a confession is not going to fix it. I don't claim that. That's not mine. And if it's not mine, it's got to go. Anything in your body that God didn't put there needs to go. Anything. Because if he, if he wanted it to be there, he'd have put it in there when he created you. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Oh, hallelujah. I want to pray for you corporately right now. Next Tuesday, we'll be laying hands on the sick. But you can get healed right now. Watching online, you can be healed. Father, I speak over your people healing and health. Lord, they're here, and the fact that they're here means that they are desirous of what you have for them. And so, Father, I speak to their bodies. I speak to every person watching, every person in this room. Lord, I, yes, Lord, I, I speak to any tumors in those bodies, and I command them to shrink. To not only shrink, but dissipate. Die off. Pass through their body. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak to every heart condition. I speak to every breathing condition. And I speak to that heart to beat with the rhythm of life. I speak to those lungs to provide and produce the exact amount of oxygen that every person needs to function at the fullest level of productivity in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak to every person's body. I command them to be renewed in youth as the eagle. I command them to have strength. I command them to have overcoming ability. In the name of Jesus. For you're the God that heals us. And takes it. And keeps it away. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh Father I thank you. And Father I just. Ask you to help them put a guard on their minds. There will be no shortness of life. There will be no guilt and shame. You've come under an attack of the enemy and right now you're being healed. In the name of Jesus. For you said in your word that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. They were oppressed of the devil. Lord, they were oppressed of the devil. And Jesus healed them. Lord, Jesus never healed anybody. That it was your will for them to be sick. And the reason is, is because it was never your will for anybody to be sick. Everybody Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil. So, so Lord, that's our mindset, Father. That's our mindset. This thing's oppression of the devil. And so we receive our healing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's good gospel news. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God.
Now, dear sister, right here, I saw you last week, saw you Sunday. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're battling. I don't need to know, but here's what I know. There's a significant area, and you can mark, mark down the days. Today is Tuesday. And so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That'd be six days, Monday, six days. Now, here's what I know. Here's what the Lord told me to say. There's going to be a significant difference in six days, in six days. And you mark down the date, which is Tuesday the 8th at 1149, six days, there's going to be a significant difference. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Stephanie, the Lord is turning some things. And this is how I, the Lord shows me this. Now, I know you've done this. I've done it. You ever turned a mattress? You know, it gets worn on one side and you just turn it over. feels better. This thing is turning. And it's going to be just like you grabbing a mattress and just flipping it over. And it's going to be just that easy. And the enemy's tried real hard in the last three years. He's tried really hard to just bombard your life, bombard you mentally, bombard you physically, and even financially to get you to back off and to give up. And there's been some areas that you've had to pull away from, but you never gave up. And I'm telling you, this is what the Lord told me. He said to tell you, you got the devil scratching his head because he's done everything that he can do and you won't give up. And he said, just keep, hold fast because it's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's coming in the, ah, it's coming in the name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. Poor devil. Poor silly devil. I, I just hate to be him. Can't win for losing. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for being a part of us. Until we see you next Tuesday, build your faith and frame your world by the word of God. God bless you.